podcast for giftware and specialty food artisans who want to work smarter, earn more, and live better. Hosted by Stefa Normantis. Hi, this is Stefa. Thank you for listening to Artisans Who Wholesale. How many of you love networking and think you're good at it? I thought so. Relationships are essential to any business, and today's guest can help. Ellen Feldman Ornato is a serial entrepreneur from a family of entrepreneurs. Her formal education is in city planning and economic development, but she grew up in a retail family and has owned businesses in addition to full-time jobs since 1990. Ellen launched the Boulder Company, Boulder, like, amazing instead of rock company with her friend Jenny Drescher in 2014 and the two have been on a growth trajectory since then. Their business focuses on increasing connection and performance at the heart of workplaces. So welcome. Welcome, Ellen. Thank you, Stefa. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. Well, let's see. What is there to tell? Uh, As I said, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, My younger sister, I think, was interviewed on your show, Heidi Feldman, who's with Martha's Vineyards Sea Salt. And my older sister owns Eco Bags, which is a company that's been in business since 1989 selling reusable bags. So all three of us have always had a problem working for other people. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> so, you know, it, it's de- definitely just very much in our blood to build businesses, to take ideas and then build them into something. And so I completely respect the artisans who you work with and try to help and advise because it's a brave thing to be in business by yourself and for yourself. For sure. And how did you end up with the Boulder Company? Well, I started the Boulder Company with my best friend, Jenny. I, at the time, um, like 2012, I had a full-time company that I was operating that was doing training and development in workplaces. So bringing content like personality type work or uh, time management into workplaces. Uh, And I was mostly delivering content that was developed by other people, but they hired me to come in and facilitate conversations. So I was doing that full time. And Jenny, my best friend, was a business coach uh, and a personal coach and helped people overcome the obstacles that were keeping them from getting what they wanted in their lives. And on a lark, she said, she asked me if I wanted to go and try an improv class with her. And I'll never forget it because it was what they call physical improv. Right. So we had to pretend we were copy file machines and we had to make believe that we were part of a larger machine and we were gears in the machine. And it was sort of crazy. And I sort of loved it because it was so different from the business environments that I walked through every day. And that started just a love affair with theatrical improvisation and taking every class we could find, which eventually led us to something called the Applied Improvisation Network, which is an organization that's international. And that is guided by and is for people who use the exercises and uh, tenets of theatrical improvisation to achieve other things. So, for example, I started using some of the exercises we were learning in improv for warm-ups in some of the, the more traditional classes that I was doing. And what I noticed in myself and in the people that I was teaching was that it made them lighter and it made them more likely to engage at a deeper level with each other and with themselves. So it deepened the learning and it accelerated the pace at which we could move through content that used to seem like drudgery on some level, because it's very different to teach people about active listening and put them into exercises from improv, where if you're not listening, everybody screws up, but then you laugh, right? 
So what I mean, I saw right away that when people overcome their aversion to making mistakes, they they immediately step into braver spaces in their personal and professional lives. Mm-hmm. So once we found AIN, we were at a, conf- a conference together in Austin, Texas, sitting on a curb, eating burritos, and we looked at each other and said, why aren't we doing this together? <laughs> what can we do together? And what we came to was that since both of us were running our own businesses and we were using network, the context that we met at networking events to fill our own pipelines for potential work going forward, that that would be a great place to start. Because what we noticed when we went to networking events was that people, when they stood up to introduce themselves, seemed incredibly uncomfortable, like they couldn't Mm -hmm. wait to sit down, right? They would get all flushed and a little overwhelmed, and they wouldn't know what to say. So they'd either say too much or not enough or something that didn't resonate with other people. Um, It was all about, like, Mm -hmm. let me not die. I want to sit down, (laughs) right? So we said, well, what if we could take a class? where we could help other people using some of these exercises from improv to become more comfortable being seen and speaking in front of groups. That mm-hmm. shift alone for some people unlocked them giving permission to themselves to then get up on podiums with hundreds of people. So we started the process. We had a one class, a three-hour public speaking class. And after the class, people started coming up to us and said, what's next? And we said, well, we have a, a four-part class coming up in, say that was May, July. They're like, great, where can we sign up? <laughs> so we were signing people up before we had even created anything. We just, you know, one of the basic tenets of improv is to say yes. So we just said yes. Mm-hmm. So we wound up with another four-week class in public speaking and presentation skills. And then they wanted more. So now, then it became a, a nine-week class of three hours per night. So people were really invested in their own professional and personal development. And then we got our first for-profit customer, which was actually AARP, you know, they're a big Mm -hmm. company. And the Connecticut Mm -hmm. state director came to one of our classes and said, I want you to work with my volunteers here in the state, which started us then working with AARP at the national level and started us working on all sorts of other programs. And now I would say 90% of our business is, with, pri- with privately held companies or organizations, and then 10% is with individuals. So hopefully that gives you a good evolution of the business. Wow, that's a ter- terrific journey. Tell me what the most energizing part of your work these days is, Ellen. Well, there are two things. I would say one of the most energizing things for me is networking and business development. I really love going out to events and talking to people about the things that are keeping their business either in stasis, so they're not moving forward, they're not moving backwards, they're not moving forwards, or worse, what's keeping their business heading towards the flames? You know, what are the, what are the things that are happening? Because the conditions are pretty predictable, we've found, in organizations. And I feel like mm-hmm. even in a 10-minute conversation with somebody at a networking event, we can put our fingers on the ways that we can help. Right? Because one of the things that we've done in the last year, and I would recommend every business do this, is we spent time with marketing people, really refining who we are, what we do, what we're excellent at and experts at, and then leaving the rest to somebody else or becoming a trusted advisor and referring them to people who can do those things for them. Right. But if I can go into an event, meet somebody who seems like their business is really struggling and say, you know what? We have something for you, and we know it'll make a difference. 
you know, that's very exciting. The other thing is going into organizations and working. We love working with impact teams in smaller organizations or team, smaller teams within larger organizations and watching people shift and watching them step into their power and mm-hmm. watching them get more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Really rewarding when people come up afterwards and they say, you know, I didn't know if I was going to like this and then I didn't want it to end. That's my favorite feedback. That's awesome. I'm so glad we're talking to you, Ellen, because when you said that your favorite thing is networking, I can feel the whole audience saying, oh, my God, that's the last (laughs) thing. That's so scary and so not my comfort zone. So I'm so glad we're going to be able to get to that. Uh, But before we do, tell me what your biggest challenge is these days. Okay, so our biggest challenge is, and I have to say we're involved in, if people are in New England, there's this organization called ICIC. It's the Inner City Capital, I don't know, I think initiative, something. But I can get you the, the information on it and you can post it on your website. We've just enrolled. It's the equivalent of what they call an entrepreneurial MBA on steroids. So our <laughs> biggest struggle these days is that everything we know has gotten us to where we are. And there's that saying that what got you here won't get you there. And so as we look at how do we grow this organization beyond the two of us doing everything all the time, um, that requires capital, it requires collateral material, it requires a website that's different than the one we have. So we've been laying the brick with, you know, getting a real handle on our marketing. But this whole next piece of financial management and either borrowing or raising money, that, that whole next phase, we're considered a second stage organization because we've been around for five years and our sales have hit a certain level. So our next growth mm-hmm. steps are things that neither Jenny nor I have any experience with. So that's it. So then we need to be in, in, we've had coaches all along the way for a variety of things. And now we need coaching in an area of business that's about business. So that's where we are. That's, and that's our biggest obstacle. It's like the least. Because I love the people, not the numbers. There's always another level. Yes, there's always another level. <laughs> you know, who knew QuickBooks could do something yeah. called a chart of accounts? Never heard of it. Now I know. Yeah. Can't say I want to see it again, but it's something that I needed to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all have our areas, our zone of genius, and, you know, there's always going to be a gap. uh, And those are the things that are great to delegate. So so let's move on to some of what you've learned. I know today we'll cover how to develop those deep connections, networking that that feel authentic, a little bit about public speaking and, and maybe your thoughts on coaching. But let's start with networking, because I know that strikes dread in the in in the hearts of many. So tell me, how do you network and what's your philosophy on it and and why is it important for someone okay so i think the first thing with regard to networking is maybe let's abolish the name networking and call it meeting people okay because i think one of the things that happens is everybody's told you need to go out to networking events to build your business and my first question is why and what events do i need to go to And what's my objective when I'm there? And what am I bringing to the table? Um, There are a lot of people who approach networking thinking that they have to sell something. And if none of us like to be sold to, I'd suggest that you just take that idea of I'm going to close any sort of business this evening when I go to this Chamber of Commerce event 
and just tuck it in your back pocket. The more important question is, who will I meet this evening and how can I bring value to their life? Which is a very different orientation, right? I'm going to give. So if I go to the, the meeting with you, Steph, and we meet and you tell me you have a radio podcast or a podcast about, you know, dealing with artisans, am I going to spend the precious five minutes that we have together telling you all the reasons why you should feature me on your show? Or should I spend that five mm-hmm. minutes learning more about you and who your ideal guest is and starting to think about how I can be of service to you? Which one's more attractive to you in that scenario that I just played out? Of course. Yeah, the latter. Right. What's How can you solve a problem? Right. Because we do business with people we know, like, and trust. We don't do business with or refer business to people who come on too strong or who try and, and take over a conversation. You know, they, they, Jenny and I years ago joked that we were going to write a book called The Eight Dwarves of Networking. But it, it didn't seem kind, so we didn't do it. But truly, you know, with, there are there is a character that we call him show up and throw up. You know, somebody who you meet at a networking event, they're shaking your hand, shoving their card in your face, and they're just telling you everything about themselves, and then they walk away. Mm-hmm. You look at that card in your hand, and you put a big X on the back, and when you get home, you recycle it, because why? Why? How do you feel when somebody approaches you like Sure. No, you know that the relationship will likely be one-sided. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very off-putting. You know, so... Mm-hmm. so the one thing that I would say to your artisans, many of whom I'm sure spend a lot of time by themselves and are comfortable with their own company. And so networking events can seem a little bit scary because there are a lot of people. And, you know, how do you start a conversation is to lower the bar for yourself and lower the expectations for yourself and say, how can I meet two people this evening and have a nice conversation with two people? That's it. We can all meet two people. And why is it so important, Ellen? Why do we, uh, why do you need to build that network? Well, one of the reasons you need to build a network is because you may not, somebody may not need you right away, but you will be top of mind if the way that you approach the conversations is some generosity and kindness. So when they think of something, they'll go, where is that woman's call? Oh yeah. And you will be top of mind, right? There's that piece of it. So it's important to sort of cultivate that. But the other thing is that each time you have a conversation with somebody, you are getting better and better at describing what you do and why you love it and what it means. And and then when it matters, you're, you have those words. They're available to you. Mm-hmm. Right? So all of this, this piece about public speaking, you know, or networking, this is all about building muscle and confidence around a skill because effective engagement and networking is a skill set. And so we need to put time and energy into doing it well, just like anything else that we do. You know, the first time I tried to throw on a wheel, it was like, okay, well, that is a waste of a lump of clay. But eventually I got it centered and started making things that looked like something. You know, so many people go to networking events. They don't talk to anybody because they don't know anybody. And sometimes you go into those environments and everybody knows somebody and you're like, okay, well, this is fun. (laughs) Um, And actually, my business partner has a really good remedy for that. She'll walk up to, she'll look around the room. She'll find somebody else who isn't talking to anybody. And she'll walk up to that person and just say, 
I bet you don't know anybody here either. <laughs> and it immediately starts a conversation about how how terrible it feels to be on the outside when everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's an immediate kinship. Her start, That's a great she's more introverted than I am at these kinds of events. And she's gotten those <laughs> two first meetings with new potential clients because she's just like, okay, I don't know anybody. Who do you know? Maybe you can introduce me to somebody. And putting the other person on point to be like, oh, no, you can hang out with me. Completely shifts the energy, right? It's anything but selling energy, sales energy. The other thing she'll do, once again, because she doesn't love going to these events, is she'll walk up to somebody and she'll say, I'm on a quest. I need to meet three new people tonight. Can I count you as one of the three? And the other person will always say, yes, of course. That's terrific. Because <laughs> everybody Don't... wants to help somebody, you know, meet their yeah. quest. So, so those are important. Those are terrific. Yeah, they're what well, we call them networking hacks, right? The other thing mm-hmm. that you can do. Is- How does somebody that's introverted or not a natural conversationalist, uh, what would you recommend for hacks that they try? So the first one would be walk up to somebody else who's standing by themselves and say, I don't know anybody here with you. I mean, something as open as that, <laughs> we'll get a conversation. Mm-hmm. Started, yeah. Right. That second one of I'm on a quest. You know, just make it fun. Maybe mm-hmm. even number your cards, one, two, yeah. and three. Can I give you card number one? <laughs> I really want to go home soon. And it'll start, you know, just come with, <laughs> come, talk to the person with the energy you have. I'm sure that, you know, the m- most introverted people that I know are some of the most interesting people I know. And they're also the most mm-hmm. interested. They're great listeners, right? So mm-hmm. uh, the, the other thing that I suggest to people who are more introverted is bring a buddy. Start the Mm -hmm. evening with your buddy so that you feel more comfortable. You've got your home base established. And then you can both venture forth, meet somebody, come back together. Right? So play tag. Mm -hmm. That works too. And Mm -hmm. if you have success before your partner does, bring that person you just met to your friend and introduce them. Now you're raising the stakes because you're, you're even introducing this other person to somebody else they didn't know and adding value to their lives. Right? So it's a... It's just a, like, how can I make a game out of this? How can I make this less scary? Because in in truth, most, if you go to a chamber of commerce, business after hours thing, it doesn't matter anyway. Like, that's probably not your mm-hmm. customer base. So, you know, I mm-hmm. guess my advice always is find the low stakes opportunities and screw it up there. Get tongue tied, <laughs> give a bad introduction, you know, mess up where it doesn't matter. If that means going two towns over, do it. <laughs> and I would also suggest... That's great advice. Right? Just go away. Go away from everybody who knows you. Yeah. I mean, there's too much pressure. Too, too much pressure. The other thing is, if as you look at... Because I was just talking with somebody who does business development the other day for an office systems company. And she said some of her... She said to her employees, you need to get out. You need to start going to chamber business events. And she said, I'm not sure they're making the right choices. So that's another piece of this is which events are you choosing to go to? My Chamber of Commerce here in Middletown, Connecticut has these massive 300 person breakfasts. Those are not a good choice. Everybody goes to those. They sit with who they know. Speakers are either always mm-hmm. a sports figure or politician. Yuck. And, um, like I get nothing out of it except sometimes I connect with the people from the chamber. Like I show my face, but I'm not, I can't really meet people Mm -hmm. in any meaningful way there, but they do have a women's business alliance 
which is a very good group, and is women seeking to connect with and connect to other women. So that there's a lot of power in that group. There's, I generally find that the, the chamber meetings that happen or the business meetings that happen in the morning are more substantive than the ones that happen after work when people are drinking. And, mm-hmm. and generally because they're sensitive to people's work hours, you get in, you get out, no one gets hurt in the morning. You know, with the evening ones, they can go on for a long time with diminishing returns in terms of who you meet. And also people tend to clump up more with people they know when they're having cocktails and mm-hmm. Right. So being being selective about where you spend your time, um, being somewhat targeted about what you'd like to accomplish. So meeting one or two people and making a game out of it. And then, you know, practice with your cat. Practice with a friend. Come up with a, you know, like a 30 second introduction for what you do. Those are great, great tips. I uh, I know somebody out there is going to test them and and be able to break into some new relationships that they may not have uh, had had that opportunity with. Before we move on, what are some of the don'ts in networking before we move on to public speaking? I would say, well, I gave you a couple. So don't go to mm-hmm. big overwhelming events and scare yourself, right? Because <laughs> um, that's not the place to start. That's like networking 301 to be up there in those kind of big environments. Don't bring a ton of business cards and shove them in people's faces. I mean, I have a, a friend mm-hmm. who actually, she sells mortgages and uh, she puts, she tapes the Snickers to each of her cards and gives them out, which makes it a little more palatable. But even still, I would say, you know, there's sort of a subtle, after you've been in conversation with somebody for a while, uh, that whole are you okay if I give you my card? Could I get one of yours? Mm-hmm. That exchange is accepted, yeah. but if you start with your card, it, people are like, hmm, okay. Didn't really ask mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is don't fail to get a follow-up meeting if you really resonate with someone. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be right away. You know, if, if you get somebody's card at a networking event mm-hmm. and you go out to your card, your car, as I always do, as often as possible after an event, if I've got five or six cards in my pocket, I turn the cards over and make some small notes about who they are and why I thought I should follow up with them so that I don't forget because then life happens. And if it sits on my desk for two days, then I forget who they are and why it matters. Right. So mm-hmm. the whole, you know, getting back to people in 24 to 48 hours, if it seems like somebody that you want to get together with, then, then be time sensitive. Don't let that sit on your desk for a whole week. Then, I don't know what, what other don't. I would say think about the, the what's probably the most likely business attire for where you're going. So if it's a summer mm-hmm. social and it's outside, it's perfectly fine to be casual and in sandals. But if it's at a corporate office, you might want to consider dressing up a bit. Right? You don't want to be too out of sync in terms of how you're dressed and how you look from the people that you're meeting with. Thank you for those, Ellen. I know those are those will be terrific uh, for folks to to just tuck away and keep in mind the next time they're in one of those situations. So let's mm-hmm. move on to public speaking. I know the improv piece is something that uh, is uh, can be also terror inducing for people, uh, and uh, public speaking is right there. So why would it be important for an artisan, and and uh, why would somebody want to get better at public speaking? And are there any tips you'd suggest? We are all the best representatives of the work that we do 
and the brands that we've created and represent. And the extent to which we can articulate who we are, what we do, and why it matters to us in a way that resonates with other people and is concise and delivered with a confidence and ease of somebody who's done this before, the better we feel about ourselves, our business, and our place as professionals in the world. That's why. Mm -hmm. Nobody can represent you and what you do better than you. You know what it takes to make something. You know the materials that are involved in creating what you create. You know the path that you took to get to where you are and how that informed the whatever it is that you craft. Mm -hmm. So why not get confidence mm -hmm. at sharing what that is with confidence and means? And I'm not saying from the podium of conference hall in front of 5,000 people unless that's your goal. Mm -hmm. I'm saying so that you can stand up and represent your company and yourself at a networking event because that's actually a public speaking venue. Mm -hmm. Right? When they go around the table during that agonizing first 30 minutes everybody has one minute and most people take two and then it takes an hour. So learning how to stand up and, rep, you know, first of all, respect the time that they've given you and then have something to say you're representing your entire self and your life's work, which seems like a huge, like, oh, my God, I want to represent it well. So then practice and get better at it. It's the only way to do it. I don't know anybody who's gotten better at public speaking by thinking about it. <laughs> That's a truth there. bottom line, right? Truth um, so there are lots of ways to get better at public speaking. Uh, Postmasters is an organization that is international, they exist everywhere, all over New England, and, and I'm sure that your your um, podcast goes well beyond New England. But there are Postmasters groups everywhere. Some of them are based inside of corporations. Some of them are based in communities. I know in my town of Middletown, there are four, at least four that, that meet at corporations. There's one that meets at the library. There's one that meets at a coffee shop. And these are just groups of people who want to get better at public speaking, who have a structure that they follow to get together and take turns doing public speaking with each other. That's it. Now, some people don't love Postmasters because they say that it's sort of formulaic mm -hmm. and that they don't get enough time at the microphone. So, okay, then find some other place to do it. Mm -hmm. Right? There, there are public speaking classes, usually through Chambers of Commerce, that are offered pretty frequently. If you're in the Connecticut area, we offer them all the time. Mm -hmm. And there are lots of opportunities to practice. Honestly, I think just going out and practicing is very helpful. And if you, if you have a friend who you know is good at public speaking and you want to practice your 30-second speech or your five-minute speech, mm -hmm. do that. You know, get a group of friends together and say, we need to practice this together. Yeah. You know, maybe make a speaking club instead of a book club. <laughs> um, it also helps if you've got an improv company in your area to take some improv classes. Mm -hmm. Because what you get out of taking improv, and I know some of your people on the other end of this podcast just had a heart attack while they were driving. I, can like, hear I don't them. even want to stand up and talk. You want me to do improv, like actually stand up and be part of a scene? Yes, I do. Because it causes, what improv causes is an acceptance of failure mm -hmm. at a level where you know it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Once again, this, the low stakes environments of I get up, I start a scene. I say, it's Tuesday. 
And my and my team partner says, no, it's not. Well, we just screwed up. Who cares? You do an improv scene, it happens and it never happens again. So you can kind of move through and overcome your fear of failure. You can move through and overcome your fear of being seen and heard. You can move through and overcome your fear of not saying the right thing. All of the spontaneity that improv causes serves you as a public speaker. Because you're being asked at all times to think about what's the, what's the next logical thing to say to move the scene forward. And in our, our more advanced speaking classes, what we're talking about is the audience is your scene partner. So how do you please and delight your audience? Forget about you and what you need to say. How do you create something that's delightful to listen to mm-hmm. or compelling to listen mm-hmm. to? Mm-hmm. Right. And there's also storytelling. That's the third piece of this. So there are people out there who teach storytelling as a craft. Mm-hmm. I know we've got a, a, a really healthy storytelling scene here in the Hartford area. I've taken weekend classes. I've taken day-long classes. And then there are opportunities to tell your stories. And people are like, why do I need to tell stories if I want to get better at public speaking? Well, they're the same mm-hmm. thing. But some of us are natural storytellers and others of us mm-hmm. aren't. Right. So if you come up to me and you tell me that you do, we're having a conversation and you say you take, you know, you do rack pottery. I'm like, oh, what's that? And you start going into the chemical compounds that you use cause the distress. And my eyes are going to go back in my head. But if you can say, you know what? I started doing pottery and I fell in love with glazing. And what I learned as a result of the glazing is that I could create these really amazing metallic finishes that I didn't even know were possible. Now you've got me. Now I want to see it. Right? The difference between the two is one is factual and the other is more Mm -hmm. of a story. So learning how to integrate that into the way that you present yourself also in networking meetings. Like what caused you to fall in love with the craft that you, that to such an extent that you are now an artisan? Mm -hmm. Not because it's about you, but it's about falling in love with it and getting fully engaged with it. Right, which most people can relate to some other part of their lives. Sure. No, that storytelling is really so primal in us. We all want that open loop and and are looking for uh, engaging in that story and 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 hearing that that never gets tiring. Mm-hmm. So let's yep. talk about coaching. I know you mentioned earlier that you had continued to retain coaches to help you along different areas that you wanted to uh, enhance or develop further. What advice do you have for an artisan considering hiring a coach given your experiences? I would say the first parameter that you have when you're thinking about uh, hiring a coach is understanding what, what your motivation is for hiring that coach. Because there are lots of coaches out there, can't swing a dead cat without hitting one <laughs> is my favorite expression. They do a variety of things. They have a variety of areas of expertise. Their prices vary greatly. And so I would say, think about it. Don't jump into anything is the first piece of it. And certainly don't commit to a long-term financial agreement with somebody who says, once you sign, you're locked in. Because these relationships don't always work out well. They do very often, but not all the time. If you need to know how to grow your business, you want a business coach, right? So it's like, what is it about the structure or marketing or, you know, am I charging enough for retail and wholesale and, you know, channels of distribution? Mm -hmm. That's a business coach, right? 
what is it about me that is holding me back? Like I know there's something inside me that is keeping me from pushing myself towards the next thing. You might want to work with somebody who coaches more on the personal or life side of coaching. And understand also at the beginning of the process what the process is. Some coaches operate with a, on week one, we're going to do this. Here's your pre-work. We're going to come in. We're going to have a conversation about X, Y, and Z. And they're very prescriptive. Some people really appreciate that structure. <laughs> I'm one of those people. Other people um, select coaches and, and who get on and say, mm-hmm. so what are we talking about today? What are the things you're running into? What's the challenge of the week that you want to talk with me about? They're both valid approaches. One is not better than the other, but it is a, uh, mm-hmm. more of a preference thing. So understanding how the coach works, how often you're going to talk, how much flexibility they have in their schedule, how they schedule the coaching sessions, mm-hmm. and then how much they charge. We paid, I paid as little as $2,500 for six months, and I paid as mm-hmm. much as $10,000 for a year or $4,000 for six months. I mean, it really depends on who you are, what you need, and what you hope to get out of it. I definitely have found it really helpful to have a coach just because it can help yep. you uh, keep an accountability mm-hmm. partner and uh, and give you another lens to take a look at your business. So uh, that's uh, great advice. As well as coaches, are there any other tips or resources or apps or online resources that you recommend, Ellen, that you rely on? Absolutely. And it really depends on where you're located. But I would suggest that you start with your Chamber of Commerce and your local economic development organization to find out here in Connecticut, we're really lucky. We have the Small Business Development Center, which is part of the University of Connecticut. We also have the Women's Entrepreneurial Center, which is part of the University of Hartford. We also have the SBA, the Small Business Administration. We have SCORE, which is the Senior Corps of Retired Executives, which is nationwide. So SCORE is a really good resource for people who need a business coach. They are free. And I was sitting next to a SCORE coach at this the entrepreneurial MBA program that I mentioned. And I said, what did you do during your professional career? Because he's retired. He said, I was the president of Bell & Howell, the, the section of the corporation that did all of the envelope stuffing machines. He ran a $46 billion organization, and he was willing to look at our finances and help us to look at where we might be thinking, might need to think differently about raising. You know, to me, that just blew my mind. The nicest man, so helpful. And he was sitting right there saying, yeah, I can help you with that. It's like, well, yeah, I guess you can, considering where you've gone and what you've done. (laughs) You know, but these are folks who are, and you're free. You know, these are folks who are, who are you know, they've mm-hmm. retired and they're looking to stay relevant. Speaking of which, AARP has amazing resources, amazing resources for networking and for business skills development and for insurances and for anybody who's in the sweet spot where I am right now, where you've got caregiving mm-hmm. issues, because sometimes that takes us off point in terms of where our focus is with our businesses is, you know, the rest of our lives are happening around us. So managing the rest of our lives, sometimes we need support organizations that aren't business organizations, but are the other pieces mm-hmm. that we can bring in to support us. And in service to that, my business partner has a list that she keeps by the side of her computer of all the things that we can hire somebody else to do. <laughs> right? Yeah. 
Well, because we do it all right now. We are mm-hmm. you know, the expression cheap cook and bottle washers. You know, mm-hmm. as we sit here in our office, she's sitting right across from me, um, mm-hmm. giving me thumbs up and making funny faces at me. But, you know, to the, we're doing everything. Fortunately, we found the Women's Entrepreneurial Center and through them, we were able to get some marketing support. So now we have, you know, we know what our three key things are that our business does and we have our marketing language. And then we're able to find somebody else through there who's now helping us with writing our website. So we found grants along the way because we just kept mm-hmm. asking what resources are there available to people like us. Okay. And we gave things away mm-hmm. in terms of time and energy. So if we know how to teach public speaking and we volunteer our time over at the local entrepreneurial startup center, mm-hmm. that pays benefits down the road, maybe not right away. So that's the other question is instead of it's and it's a different lens in terms of and it goes right back to the beginning of the conversation about effective networking. It's not so much what can I get today? It's what do I have to give? Right. So if you're a seasoned artisan and you've been in your business for 20 years, there are some things that, you know, mm-hmm. that somebody who's brand new to the business doesn't know. Yeah. How generous are you with teaching others what you know and how much of a resource can you be to the other people around you? Because I guarantee you, the more generous you are with what mm-hmm. you know, the more people will share resources with you. It does work that way. It, that's just it really kind of how does. the world goes. Ellen, what is a healthy habit that's important for you? I know certainly the stress of being the bottle washer and, and deciding where the business, the best opportunities for the business are. How do you keep yourself healthy and how do you recharge? I drink a ton of water. I, mm-hmm. eat, I eat good food as close to the ground as possible. I make time for walks when I can. I started mm-hmm. an occasional morning practice of meditation. That's why it's practice. <laughs> Not really a practice if you only do it occasionally. Um, I'm actually working with a Yeah, exactly. That's why it's practice. I'm working with a coach who's helping me using um, EFT, which is the tapping, to help mm-hmm. me work through some places where I actually am stuck. And there are books online and all sorts of different resources that people are interested in that. So uh, most of mine is, is around mindfulness practices, but mm-hmm. I also love to ski and I love to garden and I love to go to storytelling events and tell stories from stage. So I definitely take care of my own emotional needs mm-hmm. in a different way at 58 than I did at 48 or 38. You know, when I had young kids in the house, I they, you know, the well was always close to empty in my world until I learned that it got to empty. It was going to be more problematic yeah. for everyone. And if I took the time that I needed when I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Is, um, is there any advice that you would share before we start to wrap it up that you think has been really helpful as you've gone along? One of the first organizations that I worked for early in my career. So I started in urban planning. I went into economic development. And then I went to work. I jumped out of the public se- sector and went to work for Bob's stores with the clothing and footwear people, not the furniture people. I have to be specific about that. And there was a the founder of the company. I was really fortunate because the founder, Bob, was actually still there when I got there. And his favorite phrase was, never forget where you came from. Mm. Right? Yeah. So I come from pretty average, middle-class, humble beginnings. Our dad owned a retail store. My mom was, a, a, you know, an assistant at a nonprofit. I don't 
ever say no if I can provide something that somebody needs. I won't say ever. I have boundaries. Mm -hmm. But if I know something or have something that somebody else would benefit from, I try and figure out a way to help Mm -hmm. them. And I think that that, and and staying anchored in, you know, we all, sounds stupid. We all put our our pants on one leg at a time. We're all human. Because it's so easy, you know, especially as our business has grown, it's easy. We're, we're in some pretty highfalutin places mm-hmm. now, you know, talking to people that have some significant influence. And if I stay grounded in where I came from and remember that they probably came from the same place, we connect instantly. Mm-hmm. As soon as I get in my head that they're somehow better or different than I am, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. I lose the game before I even start. And I forget that I'm there to be a service. Mm-hmm. Right. So I guess that that would be my advice is to remember where you came from, be as generous as possible with others, because I I truly believe in the karmic goodness of when you give, you get more. When you share, you get more. And that came right from our parents. And it's a a thread that really still resonates for me. And and we try and do that as much as we can. That's so true. That's a wonderful way to close, Ellen. Thank you. If listeners are looking to get in touch with you or learn more about the Boulder Company, how would you uh, suggest they reach out to you or learn more? Well, we use most manners of social media in a very uh, mediocre (laughs) way. So so truly the best way to get in touch with us is to go to theboldercompany.com and it's B-O-L-D-E-R. So it's theboldercompany.com. My name's Ellen, so it's Ellen at, and that's my direct email. Uh, they can find you can find us on the web where we have a Facebook presence, we have an Instagram presence, and we have a Twitter presence. I dare you to find us. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> you know, LinkedIn also. Actually, LinkedIn is probably the best place to connect with either Jenny or me or the Boulder Company because we are a business to business organization. So that's really where we spend the most time from a social media standpoint. Oh, terrific. Well, it has been such a pleasure, Ellen, to get a chance to talk to you. I am really grateful for your advice and your tips on networking. I know this is, can be a really weak link for so many artisans. They're terrific makers, but uh, being on the extrovert side is not always the uh, the part that they're most comfortable with. So I think you're your tips were really, really helpful today. So thank you so much for sharing them. And I appreciate you being on with us today. Well, thank you so much. This has been delightful. Visit artisanswholesale.com for show notes with resources and links that help you work smarter, earn more, and live better.